Amen. Um, if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that's where we're going to get started today. Um, before, before we go on, I'm going to take a step back. I know last week, Brother Mott filled me in a little bit on what you guys talked about, talked about faith and, and the like and profiting voices. And um, I want to remind you of this, uh, what this is all about. Ministering to people starts with identifying the personal need and building that person, building that person's faith to a level where they can receive God's response. And I want to remind you again, we should think of faith as events and um, steps and levels and not a singular event. The scripture tells us that we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from grace to grace. Or another way to another way to read that is grace upon grace, glory upon glory, faith upon faith. So we're not looking for, we're not looking for someone to have one single moment of faith that's going to cause them to to be um, transformed in an instant, and they they don't need need any any other. Uh, transformation for the rest of their life. What we are trying to do is get them started in this process of faith and help them along the way. And it's important that we exercise uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit in this way. Uh, And that is, well, two of them apply, but the one I want to talk to you about for a few minutes is patience. When we're ministering to people on the altar, it's important that we have patience with them while we minister to them and patience with God as he leads us to lead them in their walk of faith. We need to have patience with them and we need to have patience with God as he's leading us to minister to them. If you try to, if you try to minister too forcefully with someone before they're ready, you are not, you're, you're not going to be effective. The flip side of that is if you wait too long to say say certain things, if you wait too long to do certain things, you're not going to be effective that way as well either. So the important thing when you're ministering to someone in the altar is for you to be listening so closely to God that the moment he gives you a direction, the moment he speaks to your heart to, to give them a step, the moment you feel from them they're ready to respond, you can respond in a moment when it's time. Okay? Remember, the, the goal is patience. So 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14, verse 6 says, Now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? Now we're going to flip over to the to Weiss expanded translation. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless... I speak to you either in the form of a disclosure of the truth or in that experiential knowledge or in that of impartation of divine revelation or in that of teaching. Yet even in the case of lifeless things which give out a sound, whether it be a wind instrument or a harp, if it does not make a difference in the sounds, how will the music which is played by the wind instrument or the harp be understood? For if a military trumpet gives an indistinct sound, who shall put himself in readiness for war? 
Thus also in your case, if by means of the tongue you do not give a word which is clear and definite, how will that which is being spoken be understood? For you will otherwise be speaking into the air. Now, I don't rem- I don't I wasn't in class with you guys last week, but I felt that it was important for us to cover some of these elements again before we move on. The four sources of ministry identified in these scriptures, first and foremost, are revelation, knowledge, prophesying and doctrine. Revelation, the first one we're going to we're going to cover revelation is when God supernaturally gives you information. This is this is those moments when you're praying with someone and God shows you something that you did not have knowledge of prior to that moment. Okay. The gifts of the spirit that this flows through are the discerning of spirits, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, visions. Sometimes I've, I've been praying with people before and had the Lord show me a, a, a picture or, a, or, or a, almost like watching a movie of something that was going on in their life. And then in, in that moment, share, share with them what God was showing me and allow the Lord to give further direction on what that means for them. So this is when God takes something that's hidden, that's hidden to our eyes and makes it visible in the light of his presence. In um, one of my favorite verses in, that uh, has, has been something the Lord has dealt with me about a lot over the last couple years is, is found in uh, Psalm chapter 119. And it says the entrance of thy word brings light. And when you're ministering to someone, whether through any any particular flow of the Holy Ghost, what you're doing is you are speaking light into their life. You're speaking light into their life. Okay, the next the next thing we're going to talk about is knowledge. And knowledge is when is information that's gained by experience. Okay, now. Most of you in here are, are leaders in some sort of ministry capacity or you participate in ministry. So you'll understand this when you're talking to someone in conversation and they tell you something that you didn't previously know. Is that is that a supernatural transition of information, transmission of inf- information? No, it's not. Someone is telling you that information. OK, sometimes this comes to you by in counseling sessions and conversations Sometimes you're having one conversation and you hear something behind you that makes a that is transmitted to you um, secondarily and you you take note of it. Now, here's something interesting. Most of us would put more weight on that on the information that's gained supernaturally than we would. The knowledge that we gain. uh just from human to human interaction. But it, but according to the scripture, they're both information. They're both information. One should not be higher priority than the other. The important thing when you're ministering to someone in the altar is that whatever information God is bringing to you to help that person go from faith to faith, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, you have to be able to allow the Lord to frame that information into a faith step so that you can help them. 
If you're praying with someone to receive the Holy Ghost and you perceive that they have unbelief, you need to, sometimes in that moment, you can minister to that unbelief and they will receive the Holy Ghost. Maybe they have an offense. They have unforgiveness in their heart. And you, you, you perceive that or the Lord shows you that. What do you do with that information? Maybe I've had cases and some of you that are, have been around a little longer than me have had instances where you go up to pray for someone and the person that brought them stops you and says to you before you pray for them, hey, brother, sister, so-and-so, this person is dealing with X, Y, Z. That should not be taken as something that is not regarded highly. That should be absolutely taken into account and processed by the Holy Ghost into a faith step so you can you can minister to that person and take them from one from the faith they're at to the next faith that God wants to take them at. Here here's something that's interesting and I want you to I want you to hear me when I say this. Faith, going from faith to faith from glory to glory from grace to grace is 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 so vital because not only will this help help a person when they're trying when we're trying to convert them into the kingdom but this happens to you and I every single time we come to church every single time we come together as believers every single time we pray every time we wake up in the morning we should be going from one faith to the next faith when i'm praying for shame when i'm praying for you in the altar it is not my desire to read your mail. It's not my desire to do anything weird or crazy to you. It is my desire to allow the Lord to minister through me to you, to take you from faith upon faith. And if there's any other goal other than that, then we have some, we have some things we need to address. We, we should never allow the Holy Ghost in our life to be used as a tool to get into someone's business for our own gain. We should never do that. Is is my dad in here? He is. Several years ago, um, I was one of the ways my dad used to um, get information into my spirit is he would, he would start washing his car And in the process of that, I would eventually come outside and start washing with him. And then he would start talking. The conversations were mostly one-sided, which was fine at the time. And to this day, when we have ministry-related conversations, I do a lot of listening with him. But he told me this, and I never forget it. And I tell it to a lot of people often. He said, Isaac, the most important thing the Lord will ever trust you with is another man's flaws. And what you do with that information when you get it will determine a lot about what God can do in you and through you. God has given us his spirit and God has given us the gifts of the spirit in order to help us to help others. Not for us to use as tools to be peeping toms. That's not that's not the point. It's not even to make you feel validated as a man or woman of God. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is so that God can minister to others through you. That is 
That is the purpose. And the wonderful thing about ministering in a, in a church where the gifts of the Spirit are flowing and there is a covering for the gifts of the Spirit, if you get out of line, the Lord knows how to shut you down. So don't, don't be too scared to try. <laughs> All right? Now, here's something that's very interesting. There's, no, there's another part of this knowledge piece that I find that, that's very interesting, and that's perception. I'm not sure if Brother Mott talked about this last week, but I'm going to remind, if he did, um, I feel to remind you of this. And if, if he didn't, you're getting this information um, first time, which is cool. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 through 13 says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Perception and perceiving is a part of knowledge. I remember growing up, my my parents used to say to me, Isaac, stop talking and listen. As you, if you've been around me often, you probably know that um, I've still struggled with that. <laughs> but stop talking and listen. Stop talking. Pay attention. Pay attention. Isaac, pay attention. If I had... Five cents for every time my parents said, Isaac, pay attention. They would be, I would be multimillionaires and multimillionaire, and they would probably be multimillionaires too, because it happened a lot. Isaac, pay attention. Isaac, pay attention. Isaac, pay attention. And here's, here's an interesting part as to how that, why I'm telling this story. When you're looking at someone and the Lord is directing you to minister to them, I'm not talking about observing them. But I'm talking about looking at their spirit man through the prism of their outer man. And here's what I mean. If I'm walking through a church service here and someone's in the altar and they come to the front and their, their, their um, countenance is, is down and their face is low, I automatically know two things. They're afraid of God and they're ashamed. And that's that's a fact. 100% of the time. 100% of the time that is true. And there there are other there are other ways. Let's look at another one. Um, um Psalms chapter 141 verse 2 says, let my prayer be set before thee as an incense, as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Someone with lowered hands or no hands lifted and they're, they're not connecting in faith. They have a surrender problem. Someone with, with slumped shoulders, they have a heavy burden. When you're ministering to someone, if, I, if, I, if, I, if a gentleman comes in here, now, he, there is a line here where you can become judgmental. So, 
Again, I'm not talking about using the gifts of the spirit as a as a hammer or something to beat someone with. I'm talking about using the gifts of the spirit as a tool to be able to take someone to from one faith to another faith. If a if a gentleman comes into our sanctuary or comes into a place where I am ministering, it can be anywhere, and that gentleman has long hair. First indication, they have a spirit of rebellion. And they have shame. Why? Because nature nature teaches us that is that men don't have long hair. And that man that has long hair, it's a shame. The flip side of that is if there is a, a woman comes in and she has trimmed, cut hair, whatever, the, the, the flip side is also true for her. She is has shame and she battles with the spirit of rebellion. Okay? Now, I'm... I'm I'm not saying that we should judge someone by their outer appearance because we should not. And if you read the chapter of the chapter 12 of first Corinthians, it talks about the gifts of the spirit. The next chapter right after it frames the entire thing and says is all about love. If we don't minister with love flowing through us, we will not be effective. So I will say again, we are not using the gifts of the spirit to hammer people. We are using the gifts of the spirit to help them go from one faith to another faith. We must do that without being judgmental. So when I look at someone and I, and I, and the, and the Lord points it out to me because again, we were not trying to be judgmental but we're trying to help people. And when we allow the Holy Ghost to flow through us and we, we, we start perceiving these things, the next step to that is, Lord, what do I do with this information that you just uncovered? And when you go to them, you don't walk up, just please don't do this. Please do not do this. Brother, I perceive you have a spirit of rebellion. <laughs> Sister, you have shame in your heart. First of all, (laughs) if the man does have a spirit of rebellion, (laughs) you might get punched. (laughs) And if the woman has a spirit of rebellion or shame, you could have just unlocked a caged tiger. In which point, you get what you deserve at that point. Wisdom must be exercised. You may tell you a good opening, a good opening line. Hey, man. Hey, girl. What's up? Can I pray with you? You wouldn't actually say it. Yes, I would. I would be that casual. Because it's not it's not a big deal to minister to someone. It's important. And we shouldn't be so heavily laden with the flow of the Holy Ghost in us that we can't connect with humans. I'll say that again. We shouldn't be so focused and heavy laden by the by the Holy Ghost flowing through us that we can't connect with humans. We shouldn't be so focused 
and so heavy laden by the, by the Holy Ghost through us that we cannot connect with humans. We have to be able to minister to the people that come into this house. We have to be able to minister to, to the people that we come in contact with in our neighborhoods, at our workplace. I had a, a man that I work with that the other day, uh, yesterday, we were sitting at, sitting in the workplace. He turns his seat around. And the next thing we know, we, in, I, I enter into a 20 minute conversation about the righteousness and peace of God. Had no idea that well, that was even coming up in conversation. We talked about how, how God shows us things, how, how God deals with our hearts, how, how God speaks to us and lets us know that he knows where we're at. This, this man does not share the same salvation plan that I share. But in that moment, I had to be able to connect with him as a human and allow the Holy Ghost to minister to him through me. I could have very easily pulled out my axe and started banging him with it. But that's not, that wasn't the flow of the Holy Ghost. I'm sitting in my seat and the Lord says, tell him about the peace that surpasses all understanding and how it keeps our hearts and minds. Okay. So I quote the verse and we start talking about how God's peace surpasses all the understanding that we have. And in the midst of all the troubles of our life, God keeps us. Peace is superior to understanding. And 20 minutes went by and then all of a sudden, we're on to the next task. It's important that we be able to connect with humans. It's important that we be able to allow. Let me read this verse to you. Hold on. Can we get um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 on the screen, please? Go back one verse. One more. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Next verse. Called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have Many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Next verse. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised. What's that word there? Exercised. And what's the next two words? To what? Have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Every 
sense we have as humans and every sense we have as spiritual beings can be used as a tool to minister to people. This has never happened to me, but I, I don't doubt it. I have heard stories of men of God who walk through churches and smell sulfur. And when they smell sulfur, they know that that person has a, is possessed with a demon. Now, how did he, how did that man of God figure that out? Well, it probably happened to him, happened to him once. He cast the devil out of the person. And then in his prayer time the next day, or in the moments thereafter, God talked to him and said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I just opened up your senses to be able to discern this. Whenever you smell it, this is what you're smelling. Now, that doesn't mean we all need to be walking around going. <laughs> now, if you if you if you start sniffing and smell smell stuff that smell stuff in the spirit, I would love to hear about it. I'm I'm I'm, I'm being sort of funny, but I'm being really serious. I would love to talk with you about it and like to share in that experience with you. But our senses must be exercised to discern both good and evil. Pay attention. Hide the word of God in your heart so that when you're ministering to people and you perceive things with your spiritual discernment or you hear things but with, your, with the hearing of your ear and the Lord gives you an immediate response with the word, that can be of help to you. I have I've I, I've done this before, it and I, I I like to listen to people pray with people, and I, I and I like listening to Brother Bray when he prays with people. I have heard Brother Bray pray with someone and do nothing but quote scripture the entire time, and. My first response, Brother Bray, was, that's kind of weird. Why would he do that? And then my next response is, the word works. So if, I'm, if, if he's ministering to someone, or I'm ministering to someone, and the Lord's given me a word, verses to give them, to help minister to their faith, to take them from one faith to the next faith, from one grace to the next grace, you better believe I'm going to quote that verse to them. Our senses must be exercised. That means what, Sister Tiffany? What does that mean? I'm sorry, say that louder. You have to use them. She wasn't being very loud. I was trying to see how loud she would get. She did not pass the test. You have to use them. You and I have a responsibility to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to exercise every spiritual gift in every sense that he has given us for his glory. He has an expectation that we will use them. He has an expectation. Can you put that verse back up there, please? He has an expectation that we will that, that we will exercise them. There have been times where I've prayed for people and I just felt, 
I felt like there was something, there was something that I was supposed to say, something I was supposed to do that I, I, I just couldn't do at that time. And afterwards, you know what I found out? I hadn't exercised appropriately. So you know what I did? What, what I have done? I have repented. And I have said, Lord, I'm going to, I am now, you, you, you have bestowed this stuff upon me. And now by your grace, I am going to exercise that, this for your glory. Let's move on. Prophesying. The the Greek word here literally means prediction, scriptural or otherwise. This is not talking about being a modern day Nostradamus where you just start saying stuff that happens to come to pass. This is this is God talking to you, revealing things to you. And in a lot of cases in, in prophecy, you don't have the words until you open your mouth. I have had instances when prophesying where there have been five or six words, sometimes a full sentence that the Lord gave me. And after that, it was like jumping off a cliff. Either we're going to sink or swim, Jesus. (laughs) We are going to sink or swim today. And in my case, it's sink because I can't swim. So I guess, you know, the water analogy doesn't really benefit me. And you have to trust God. And you, you, you speak. And when there are no words left, you stop. Every prophecy is not the same. Sometimes your prophecy that you give someone will be just a few words of encouragement. To you, they seem like words of encouragement. But to that person, you have just stepped into their world and have told them exactly what was happening and what God was going to do. You should not be afraid of sounding general or sounding simple when giving a prophecy. The word doctrine here means instruction. It means something that has been taught. When When you're ministering and teaching, right now is is this interesting mashup of of all four of these things operating at the same time. Because you're getting some instruction, but the Lord is also shining a light on some things. The Lord is giving you some knowledge. And when you're teaching and and the Lord is communicating to someone in a moment of of faith of, in, a, in the moment of a faith encounter that is going to lead to a a faith step whatever you're teaching them it must be able to be simple in scope so that they can receive it into their heart 
and apply it to their life. You don't want to give someone a dissertation on, or a long explanation on why it's important for them to raise their hands in the altar. Ask them to raise their hands, and if they don't, be okay with it. Remember, we're exercising patience. If they don't, if they don't feel comfortable enough to raise their hands, and that, and, then, and that's why I, I said, remember, we're look, Perception is looking at someone's spirit through the prism of their outer man. There are times when someone, someone in their spirit, their hands are raised, but they physically don't feel comfortable enough to to raise their hands. That's okay. Over the years, I mean, in this church, we've seen people receive the Holy Ghost with not even shedding a tear. We've seen people receive the Holy Ghost with their hands down by their side. We've seen people receive their healing, their hands down by their side. Seeing people receive deliverance without moving a muscle. Why? Because it's not about their emotions. And truly, truly, their outer man doesn't matter as long as their faith is working. We're trying to take them from faith to faith. I keep repeating myself, and I'm sorry, but it's important for us to remember faith Upon faith. We don't take this faith and leave it and never come back to it. This is a part of this initial moment of faith is a part of our encounters or our life of faith that will be lived in steps. And we have to be willing to respond in that moment. Us as the minister and the person that we're ministering to, we both have to be able to respond in that faith, in that moment of faith to go to the next level. Now, uh, there's there's three reasons, and I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but I want to share with you again. Three main reasons people do not receive from God. They don't understand. They have unforgiveness in their heart. Or they have unbelief in their heart. Any, any amount of these three things can hinder someone from receiving something from God. And this is not just about the Holy Ghost. This is about healing, both inner and outer. Inner healing in our, in our, in our inner man and outer healing in our body. This applies to someone being delivered. If they don't believe it can happen, it won't happen. The Lord will not override our faith. You know what? You know what Jesus did. That, you know, right? I, I've not considered it now until this moment. This moment of revelation for me. Jesus put people in a position to demonstrate their faith. He told the woman, "I can't heal your child because it's not time." I can't take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And at that moment, now now you have to consider, you're talking about the Savior of the world 
the infinite God robed in flesh. He perceived that she had faith, but it was not engaged yet. And he couldn't do anything for her until she demonstrated she had faith. And her next statement, truth, Lord. But even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Was enough of a demonstration. It was enough of a demonstration for the savior of the world to then do what she needed done. We all have personal needs. And I feel like something that we like to do is we, we like to, you know, we like to, well, maybe it's not God's will to, to do something. The question I have is, do you have faith or not? If you have faith and you ask and God does not, you have demonstrated your faith, which is the entire point. The entire point is not what happens after. Let me preach to myself for a minute. Excuse me. The entire point is not what happens after. As far as it goes, when it's God interacting with man, he needs my faith in action. And if his will determines that it's not time for my healing or he says, no, that is not my problem. I need to demonstrate my faith. We're going to take this moment for a commercial break. We're going to take our offering. We don't have any commercial music to play for you. No, we don't have any commercial music today. Uh, okay, I'll keep talking then. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, we must demonstrate our faith. As ministers, we demonstrate our faith by ministering. I'm going to say that again because that was good. And I need to hear it again. Not for you, but for me. I need to hear that again. I demonstrate my faith. By ministering. Each time I minister to someone, I go from faith to faith. Each time I speak to speak a word in season to someone. I go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from grace to grace. As a child of God, my faith is demonstrated by my ministering. Does that mean we can't ever ask for anything? No, it does not mean we can't ask for anything. But are you asking because you doubt he can do it and because you're whining and because you're, you're worried? Or are you asking in faith, believing? Are you asking in faith, believing? And it's important to note here, um, I'm pretty sure I've, Brother Mott has covered this before, and I'm not sure if he covered it this time, but I'm pretty sure he did. As children of God, all these three things, understanding, unforgiveness, and unbelief, these are things 
that we confront in our own lives as well. These are not just things that we become aware of when we're ministering to other people. These are things that we come in contact with. We have to exercise forgiveness. We have to exercise our faith so we don't fall into unbelief. We have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. The workmen need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth so that we don't lack understanding. That Those are things that you and I have to do. This is all a part of exercising our senses. We have to exercise our senses. If we don't exercise our senses, we're of, we're, we're of no good to the Father. We're of no good to the Father if we do not exercise the spiritual gifts that He has given us. Here's some of you asking, what's my first step? If I've never done this before, what's my first step? Your first step is listening for the voice of God in everyday life. That's, that's, let's, just, let's just be simple. Listening for the voice of God every day. Letting the Lord direct your steps at work. Letting the Lord direct your conversation. Listening to the voice of God when you're in the middle of a conversation that takes an interesting turn and withdrawing from said conversation as directed by the Holy Ghost. sitting in a conversation at work and hearing someone express their need and saying, as given by the Holy Ghost, I'm praying for you. Now, I understand the need to be professional. I work out in the secular world as well. There is a need to be professional. There is a great need for Christians to be professional. Not getting much of a witness in here when I say that, and I'm not sure why. Maybe you're half asleep. So I'll say it louder this time. There is a great need for Christians. Right? In the workplace. Okay, moving on. Thank you. I appreciate that. Just needed to know you. I wasn't in here alone. I felt alone for a second. Felt alone for a second. There is a great need for Christians to be professional in the workplace. So in in light of that, you and I cannot. This is something the Lord has dealt with me about. And I'm just telling you how I have felt the Holy Ghost direct me to exercise it. I cannot spend my employer's dollar to minister to people. If I can't do my job because I'm busy ministering to people, I have failed. But at the same time, I can get paid to minister to people if I can get my job done. Every every conversation becomes a, a moment to sow a seed, to reap a harvest. There's potential in every conversation. 
you know, the bishop did a lot of teaching several over the last several years about let the sighing of the prisoner go up before thee. In every conversation, I'm telling you, every single conversation that I have with my coworkers who are unsaved, I am listening for the sigh. I'm listening for the sigh. I'm listening to know how they're bound, what they're bound by, and how the and I'm expectant to know how the Lord is going to bring deliverance to them. Remember, knowledge can come to you. The revelation of someone's need can come to you by spiritual means or by natural means. Neither of them is, is weighted heavier than the other. And in, in, and in a lot of in a lot of ways, you're going to you're going to deal a lot more in the in the carnal side than the spiritual side. In carnal, I mean the ways of man. You're going to be told more by people in conversation than you're going to be told by God in prayer. That's just a fact. Okay, so in light of that, what do we do with that information? Let's frame this part of this conversation because I'm going to move on in just a minute. What do we do with that information? Do we hold it and take it on to ourselves? Because that's what some of us do in here. A lot of, there, there's a lot of heaviness in this room right now. And a lot of it is coming from the fact we listen to our coworkers' conversations and we take on their pressure. That is not a life of peace. It's not a life of peace. Not a life of peace. I went to work one day, and if you've heard me tell this story, please uh, for, please listen again. I am not going to apologize. Please listen again. And um, I've been praying and, and uh, just asking the Lord to use me in the workplace to to, to, to minister to the people that are there as, as he would lead. And in the course of one shift, I'm sitting, one eight hour day, I'm sitting at my desk. I have a coworker come sit down in a chair that becomes empty. And for the next 15 minutes, they just dump all this stuff on me. Nothing to do with work at all. Just everything that's going on in their life. And I was like, wow, you know, okay. They get up, and within two minutes, someone else sits down. Same chair. <laughs> Isaac, you know what happened to me? Bam. And I'm like, my goodness, what is going on today? Within the next hour, a third person came by. <laughs> Sat down. Same chair, Brother Bray. <laughs> same chair. Somebody's with that chair. And they just started, you know, dumping on me. At this point... I had, uh, and I, I will admit to you, the Lord dealt with me this, that I handled it the wrong way. By one o'clock, and this was all in the morning, by one o'clock, my spirit was so weary. I had started that day on a, on a high, and before one o'clock, I was done. Done with the day. All, my, all the virtue I had in my spirit was gone. I had no energy to do anything. Didn't want to talk to anybody, which is rare. Didn't want to see anybody, which is even rarer. And I could not figure out 
what in the world? Where'd this come from? So on my way home that day, I'm doing spiritual inventory of the day of all the spiritual transactions that I was aware of that had happened over the course of the day. So I come across the first dumping session in my, you know, this is kind of the way that the Lord does it with me. I come across it and I get a little, feel a little weird about it. And I'm like, no, it wasn't that. So I keep tracking it. I'm like, man, what in the world's going on? So I get home, sitting in my bed, trying to decompress before dinner, just trying to whatever. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Lord, what in the world happened today? And he brings that first encounter back to me and says to me, you handled it wrong. Like, what do you mean I handled it wrong? And then the question is, did I teach you to handle that that way? Where you took all of their stuff, their need upon yourself? And I had to, I had to, I had to start praying. And I said, Lord, forgive me. As your, as your child, I did not handle that right. Because I am supposed to take that personal need before the Lord, give it back to him and look for the faith step for that person. And I didn't do it. And I repented. And almost immediately my virtue came back. I repented, received peace and received. The scripture says the work of righteousness is peace. I I repented. I accepted the righteousness of the Lord back into my spirit and peace came and I was okay again. But the next day I, I practiced it the next day. I did because the same thing happened again the next day. And the next day I gave it back to the Lord. And when he said, speak, I spoke. And when he said, just give it to me. That's what I did. We get kind of weird as American Christians. We get this God complex thing and we think we're supposed to take care of everything that is revealed to us as a need. As American Christians, we have a God complex because we are independent. And if you think that doesn't run deep in your heart and spirit, It does. It runs real deep. It connects to your base nature quicker than anything else you you deal with. That sense to think that I'm independent. I can I can control this. I can take care of this. It's one of the biggest things that we as Americans deal with is our tendency to try to control and enact our our right to exercise our authority in every situation. And we have to confront that. So the next day when I practiced it, the Lord, the Lord led me. And there are times when he gives gives a word. There are times when he doesn't. I spiderweb and I now remember I was going to say. We get kind of weird about this whole ministry thing. And we think that the gifts of the spirit are only for church services. The scripture says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Right. And in the vision of the, the river and the temple that the Lord gave to Ezekiel, the flow of the river 
that started at the temple got deeper the further away from the temple Ezekiel went. I am convinced. I am convinced that there is a dimension of the Holy Ghost that we don't operate in because we, in our own minds, limit God's flow to these four walls. Lord, I pray you open our eyes because some of you already flow in the Holy Ghost when you're dealing with your coworkers and you have absolutely no idea where the information you're telling them is coming from and you think, man, that was pretty cool. There are, there are those of you that operate in, dim, in a dimension of wisdom with your coworkers already, and you're not aware that it's God. Lord, open our eyes and show us that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Lord, open our eyes to show us who we are in you. And that we have a right as your children to exercise the senses that you've given us. Every single one of us has this has this ministry. Paul said it this way, that the Lord has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. And you know, you know what the beauty of all this is? When I am flowing in the Holy Ghost, it's not the same as you flowing in the Holy Ghost. It's not the same. Each one of us makes a different and distinct sound in the spirit based on who God has called us to be. Does that make my sound better than your sound for me? Yeah. But for you? No. No, absolutely not. And in the ears of God, that sound is the same. The importance is that the sound is being made. By reason of use. Those of you with children, I'm going to give you something fun to do. You want to try this at home? All right, here we go. Exercise spiritual discernment on your children. You'll be amazed at what you find. I do this every single night. This is not a joke, and I'm, I wish I were kidding. But several years ago, I felt like for some reason it was important for me to touch my kids in the morning and before they go to bed. So in the morning before I leave for work, if they're awake, I touch them, hug them, kiss them before I walk out the door. And then when I get back, sometimes it's right before bed. Sometimes it's when I get home or some time throughout the evening. I try my best to make contact with each of them and kiss them. Yes, I still kiss my 12-year-old son. Every day. We've, he and I have already had this conversation. He, he's used to it. And, and knows to expect it as he gets older. You guys think I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He knows to expect it. 
And um, I was amazed after doing this for, for a while. There were, there were days that I recognized there was a difference in how my son felt in the morning than in the evening. And there were some days where I did nothing about that difference and just waited on the Lord, waited on the Lord. And sometimes I had to exercise discipline to correct it. And other times I had to talk to him, minister to him, if you will. And you know what? This has happened with all all four of my children. That's weird. The Lord has given me the senses and it's up to me to exercise them. We just read it, Hebrews chapter 4. It's important that you and I exercise the senses that God has given us. It's important. We must do it because if we don't make Hear me, trying to wind down here. Hear me. If we don't make our sound, who's going to make it? If we don't make our sound because we are, our understanding is lacking, our unforgiveness is high, and our unbelief is just as high or higher. And we aren't exercising our, our, our uh, senses by reason of use. And we aren't making our distinct sound in the spirit. Who is going to make that sound? You know what would, ha- you know what would happen? This world would be better off if more of us came to church and didn't exercise our spiritual gift and more of us exercise them at home. I, I'd venture to say, and this is just, I'm just being transparent here. If you're not willing to exercise your spiritual gifts at home, but you want to just flash them around the, the church every t- every chance you get, I would venture to say to you that you are a very prideful person. You deal with self-sufficiency, which adds to you're an American. Which is funny, but I have just read your spirit through the prism of your outer man. This is something that is real. If more of us as the body, and I'm saying us because it's important that you understand, I'm preaching to myself right now. I'm talking to myself right now. The Holy Ghost is talking to me as he's talking to you. If I'm not willing to exercise my senses at home and the places where the congregation is not, I'm not real, I'm fake, 
and the Lord will reveal me to be so. You know, you, you know, someone, someone that, that, that is, that does this is the, is this, is the same person where, where it says in the gospels, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do great and mighty works? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do this? And, and then the, the Lord will say in that great day, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Right? That's that person. The person who's doing it to be seen. You know who sees me when I touch when I touch my children in a loving way? Them and my wife and God. No one else is around. No one else sees that. In fact, no one else knew that until I, I until I, I told you. But it's but as 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 the leader of my home, that is how the Lord has taught me to make my sound in my home. And you better believe I exercise it. I exercise it with wisdom. The next question is, do you do this with your wife as well? Yep. But I also don't as readily share because my mother raised me to be wise. And the Lord did too. <laughs> but if the Lord is talking to me in my home, now this is this is the measuring stick the Lord gave me. You you can you do use what you want. I told the Lord years ago, Lord, if you can't talk to me about my fam me and my family, then everything else, I don't care. If I can't hear from God in my home, then I struggle to I struggle with anything else the Lord gives me for anybody else. I, I I'll be I'll be honest. That's 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 how important it is for us to exercise this outside of this building. We spend more of our time outside of this building than we do inside this building. Even on the weeks where I, where I have been here, there, there have been weeks this year that I have been here five, five or six days out of seven. And even on those weeks, more of my time is spent outside of here than here. And if I can't hear from God when I'm out there, how can I have confidence when I come in here to make the sound that God has given me to make and exercise what God has given me to exercise. How can I be confident here and not be confident out there? I'm not saying you need to go around giving everyone a word. But you do need to go around listening for the sigh and looking for someone to minister faith to. That sounds exhausting. It only is exhausting if you're doing it in the flesh. And I would venture to say that it is more exhausting to walk with no faith and being frustrated by your lack of results 
being weighted down by the doubt and unbelief of your lack of action than it is to live by faith and action doing God, looking to do God's will wherever. I have also found that to be true. On the days where I exercise my flesh to do what I want to do, rather than exercising my faith to do what God wants me to do, my flesh days are way more exhausting than my faith days. You and I were made to minister. You and I were made to minister. We were made to be conduits of God's grace, God's faith, God's glory. And when we choose to withhold, when we choose not to make our sound, you, you expend more energy holding tight than you do just letting it flow. And it's important to, to, to say again, when you're making that sound of ministry, when you're making that sound of ministry, when you're making that sound of ministry, it's the most rewarding thing. to see the results. And when you're making that sound of ministry, it's all about flow and conversation. If you have to stop and tell your coworker, let's say at the Lord, really? Really? Now, cards on the table. I understand that for those who are not given to small talk and those who are not given to being conversationalists, my my wife is, is a... She is not what I would consider a people person. She loves people, but she gets to these moments where take the people away, Isaac. Send the people away. And in the moments where she's saying, send the people away, I'm like, bring the people in. Bring the people in. I find energy in people. She finds exhaustion with people after a while. And and that's okay. But over the years, and this is this has frustrated me to no end, my wife has had more success in ministering to people than I have. Because she has had to learn to be intentional with her conversation. Because it just doesn't flow out of her like conversation flows out of me. She she has had to allow the Lord to teach her how to share and to break the ice and to 
say what the Lord's telling her to say. And over the over the years of our of our marriage, she has had, in my opinion, more success at it than I have outside of the house of God. So when you when you start bucking up in your spirit, but but I'm but I'm quiet, I'm introverted. Doesn't matter. It does it it does not matter. It grieves the Holy Ghost when we don't make the sound of ministry we're supposed to make because we use the excuse, oh, I'm extroverted. Oh, I, I have a right to make that choice, which again goes back to our, I'm American. I'm American, so I have the right to choose. I am very thankful for my citizenship. I love this country. And uh, I did not serve in the armed forces, thought about it for a while, but it determined that I was supposed to serve in the army of the Lord instead. And I, I mean that. I'm not trying to coin a phrase. I truly mean that. I consciously made that decision. And I, I, the older I have gotten, with each passing day, with each passing year, even with all the changes in our country, I find my love for this country growing. And part of it is that I have, in this country, I have the right to exercise my human will to follow God in the fullest expression possible. Because there are many places in the world, the troubled access nations, you, if you are found with the Bible, you're found congregating with believers of Jesus Christ, you will die. You will die. But here, we have, the, we have all these rights. And it's so funny. We spend more time exercising our rights to do everything else in our carnality, but we don't exercise our right to make our sound in the sound of ministry in the kingdom. Just like you have rights in the... Hmm, this, is, this is good stuff. Just like you have rights as an American citizen, you have rights as a child of God. And one of those rights is to exercise your sound of ministry every single day. And when you don't make that sound, I'm not, I'm not talking about being, being, being spotless here, okay? But I am talking about living day by day as if the Lord is coming back and I have a right to obey him. And to make this sound of ministry I'm supposed to make, and I'm going to make that sound. And doing it. Doing it and failing. Doing it and succeeding. Doing it and, fa- and failing. And then failing. And then failing again. And then failing again. Remind me to tell you about the first couple of times I preached. You want to talk about failing? Running to the back of the congregation in tears because I got so tongue-tied? Ooh, it was not a pretty sight. 
And Brother Bray, it's taken me nearly 18 years to get over it. <laughs> but you don't stop exercising your sound just because you get it wrong, just because you fail. If you feel like God is directing you to pray, then pray. Well, I didn't travail. I didn't speak forcefully. It doesn't matter. Pray. Exercise the sound. Exercise the sound. If God is directing you to, to speak a word to someone or, or give to, to, to share a verse with someone, share it with them. And if they say, I don't believe in God afterwards, you saved yourself. Not everybody is going to respond to you. But you have a responsibility as a child of God to exercise the sound of ministry that God has given you to make. And when you don't make that sound, you don't save yourself. You are to blame. And you must repent. There have been words the Lord has given me that I did not speak. And I repented for not speaking them. Some of them, in the Lord's mercy, he, he, would, he gave me the opportunity to speak them after. But a lot of them, the time was gone. The time for the word was gone. There was one individual that... The Lord, the Lord gave me a word for them when, when, um, when I was 12. And I remember, when the, I remember the day the Lord gave it to me. And I held it because I was confident that it wasn't God. And I was confident that that person was, was, was fine. But as the years progressed, that person went on a path where they spent some years backslidden and they passed away and and thankfully before they passed away they made their lives right with God and whatever and part of me brother Shane I'm not going to lie to you part of me every once in a while thinks I wonder if I had spoken that word would they have not spent that time away from God? It doesn't matter because, thankfully, the Lord in His mercy was able to save them. But I, I, I have that wonder. And when I read the verse in the Old Testament where the, where the prophet speaks, and the Lord speaks to the prophet and says, look, if I tell you to speak a word of salvation and you don't speak it, their blood is on your hands. But if you speak it and they don't listen, their blood will I require on their hands. When I, when I read that verse, I find... I don't find the judgment of it. I find the faith of it to exercise my sound of ministry as I'm supposed to. 
to make it. One of the reasons I, I like to talk to people is I have found some of the deepest flows of the Holy Ghost that I've ever been in have been outside of a pulpit talking to one or two people about the things of God and listening listening to the sigh that they're making and then allowing the Lord to speak through me to that need, to their faith, and to take them higher. And I'm constantly looking and listening for that sigh because I, I want... I, I want to exercise that sound. I want to get stronger in it. I want to get stronger in obeying what God has directed me to do. Let's take a minute and pray. There are those of us in here that you need you need to repent for not exercising your sound you need to repent you need to ask the lord to forgive you and you need to allow him to give you faith and grace to turn and go the opposite direction We don't go from extreme to extreme, so we don't go from extreme not following God to extreme following God. We ask for the Lord's forgiveness, and then we day by day, moment by moment, allow the Lord to show us a better way. Step by step, moment by moment. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not exercising our sound of ministry as we have been instructed to do so. Forgive us for not exercising, for not speaking the word when we were supposed to speak it. Iramashe la combo la rabanda hasaye. Yiba torono soya kotea si. Imando romonde kasabasha ndalario toromonde atabahaya. Come on, let's pray. The Holy Ghost is here right now, and if you will allow him to, he will respond to you. If you will exercise your faith right now, he will respond to you. Yela ramando lo bonde asabataro no lo boho Isharamala kala re andolorobo hosaba. Ito noya bahase kumbo doliba da hasana. Le tai gabusho taba latise. Ilorondea la hasai la mondo robo hoteasa. Ito no romongo toy atiladamayasi. Ibalaya mondo romonde heasa. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus. 
Ila remetele ombo la babanti shoka. Ian torama na ye asi ono romonda ha. Iaramandi o romonde asi alararabaha. Ila ramando ro la bahasana haye. Io romondi araramondi asanda haye. Ia ramando rolo mondia tanana manda hasaye. Ia romondia tamandi o romone asi. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's take another moment. Let's take another moment. The Holy Ghost is here right now. And I would not be, be obedient to him if we let this, if I let this moment pass without giving you Another moment. Il ramo no Jesu. Il ramando robo koto do robo Lord, forgive us. And we receive grace to change. We receive grace for change. We receive grace for change right now. In the name of Jesus. I baha nandala dore ya sandala ledia la la haya. Shete la ki onoya. I la randa ye botole ya sanga batuna. My shoba la rani de leo soe ni la babu do rebeti asi. I lo romondia da mandia la baha satahaye. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to tell you one more thing, and then I'm going to, then I'm going to dismiss. I feel in the Holy Ghost that there are those of you in here that are asking the question, but I, but I can't hear the voice of God. How do I hear the voice of God? And I'm going to tell you something I, I told the young people at Made to Be Pure. Those of you teenagers that were in my session, you, you'll remember this. You need to learn to practice silence often. If you are filling your ears with carnality, the things of this world, more than you are filling it with the filling your filling it with the word of God and more than you are listening to the voice of God, you will not hear God. The scripture says of Samuel that he was brought to the temple after he was weaned. He was a small child when he got there. And it's estimated that from that time to the time we find out that he heard his first word of God, he was about eight to ten years old. And the scripture says that in the quiet and in the stillness, the Lord spoke to him. Sometimes we just need to sit in the quiet and listen for him. Proverbs, Solomon in the book of Proverbs says, guard your heart 
with all of diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That is not just a, we, we, we like to apply that principle to our speaking, but the same is true for our hearing. If you are not guarding what you're listening to so that you can hear the things you're supposed to hear, you're going to have a problem hearing. I'd venture to say, you can even listen to so much preaching that you begin to use preaching as a substitute for the rhema of God in your own personal life. So your practical step for going forward is practice silence often. Practice silence often. Don't always turn on a movie. Don't always turn on an audio book. Don't always turn on some music. Don't always listen to that YouTube video or watch that YouTube video. Sometimes you just need to sit and listen with your heart to the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. God bless you. Go in grace and peace and be filled with the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.